0: Kia and welcome to this week's episode of Let's Get Sexual. I am Alicia and I'm the host of this Sexually Explorative Podcast. Hey everyone, welcome back to episode 6, part 2. I've had some awesome feedback about part 1, so I know you're all going to love part 2. We get a little bit saucier and Nick and I talked about what makes a good sexual experience the importance of curiosity and experimentation, and according to Nick, trying things twice, not once, libido and the impact of antidepressants on libido, and using porn in an educated way. Have fun, enjoy, and let me know your thoughts. Bye. What makes an incredible sexual experience?
1: So, I had thought about that because you sent me the question before. I was kind of think, thinking of ways to put it like succinctly. I, I think... My favorite thing about it is just getting to know someone in a completely different way. This is not the person that you go to the supermarket with or you meet at a bar who's, you know, impressing all their friends or whatever. This is like just you and them. And like this, and depending on the situation, it might be just like full carnal lust or it might be really intimate. And I think to make it an amazing sexual experience is figuring out what you're both there for. If you've just got a, a fuck buddy or, or whatever and you're just there to get off, then sweet. But embrace that. Don't try to make it something that it isn't. And if you're in a relationship, and most of the things I've discovered about myself sexually have been become in related, like a long-term relationship. But I know for a fact that some of the things I did in those, I wouldn't be able to just like rock up and do with someone I've just started sleeping with. So I think it's about finding the person. And I actually found quite a, a little kind of good quote for this. And I don't know if you've ever seen the TV show Californication. David Duchovny. Yeah, his character, Hank Murdy, is a writer. He's quite like, he's a, I don't know, kind of misogynist. But the whole storyline of that show revolves all around all the women in his life. But there is a quote that he says early on where every woman he's ever slept with, he's fallen in love with. He's fallen in love with them, whether it be for 10 minutes or 10 years. I don't know why that quote's always stuck with me. But my favorite thing about sex is just getting to know that person in a way. Because what gets them off what makes them satisfied in the bedroom is going to be completely different to what satisfies them in real life. They're a completely different person. So yeah, I don't know. I like exploring people and quite often, even if it's something that's not going to mean something long-term or, and if it is just like a one night stand or whatever, I'll still take the time to figure out what they want. You know,
0: whoever's listening to this, if there's women listening to this, they're going to be like, holy shit, there are people out there who do that because that's, that's not the common experience, I would say.
1: No, nah, and like, don't get me wrong, having grown up as a, a teenager, a student, and there was lots of like meaningless, yeah. you know, <laughs> one night stands and stuff, but there was still, maybe it's just who I am. I just don't want it. Every time I have sex, I don't want it to just be like, wham and bam and done what's the point in that <laughs> i mean you know, what i'm reading
0: uh, yeah what i'm reading from this is that it's it's a mutual experience for you you want both parties to experience pleasure whereas i can say it's, it was somebody who's had one night stands and i'm sure like many people have had yeah. this is where that person will just want to experience their pleasure and they're not really giving a fuck about what you feel from it oh, so i think that's that's awesome yeah yeah
1: so yeah I, I, yeah, I thought about that one. That was kind of the most prepared answer I've had for all your questions.
0: So. <laughs> I, I actually really like that. That's, that's really cool. I'd probably have to agree with that a lot. Mm. And going into being comfortable with sexual partners, one yep. thing that's come up regularly for me is some people not being comfortable with their sexual partners having their own self-pleasuring practices or masturbating or using sex toys what are your thoughts around that
1: I actually find it really interesting I'm not averse to it at all because I think for one you can always learn something <laughs> they know what gets them off so if your partner's willing to talk about it then talk about it and you can be like oh okay so that just go into it with an open mind and what it's just a classic you know what what works for one Sexual partner is not going to work for everyone. So I think I have no problem with that at all. And I've had a couple of instances where I've been sleeping with someone for, you know, multiple times before I even found out that they had toys. And I was kind of like, like, what? (laughs) I mean, I never asked, but I wish I'd known that, you know, and I I could have drawn on that as well. So. Mm.
0: And have you ever had a relationship with somebody who? Has said anything about you masturbating or you watching porn or any of your kind of like self pleasure stuff?
1: There's definitely been partners I've had that have either wanted to watch porn with me. Yeah, I've had partners who want to watch me masturbate. It's yeah,
0: I mean, it's great if people like want you to if
1: you're comfortable with it, obviously. From my experience, it's not something I would just do. Yeah. Like it would, def- there would be a conversation first. Yeah. Or, you know, I also, I don't know, for, for many years, I, f- I found out a lot of these things via via message, messaging afterwards like yep. or like the next day. like And then you're like, oh, okay. But like, I don't know, either of you are too nervous to bring it up or, yes. or you know. So, yeah. Mm. There's been a couple of partners I've had who have been very clear because there will be times where you try things and they'll be like, hey, nah, don't like that. And i like, okay, sweet. But yeah, once again, I think it's all about reading like uh, physical towels and, and body language and, and things like that. you you can tell i've probably partly being a poker player like (laughs) trusting (laughs) people trusting people's sex and 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 do you ever
0: check in do you ever be like hey you enjoying this
1: yeah Yeah. absolutely yeah Uh, i think that's really important as well that's do you have people do
0: it to you or do you think that's something you wish people would do more
1: i don't think there needs to be any more or less but people i have had women check in and It's usually the classic, oh, is is that good for you? Are you enjoying that? And it's like, yeah, of course. But it's still good to be asked. You know, I've had some times and this is with the assistance of different substances where it can go on for a a while. And I find it really important those times to check in because quite often, A, you're probably doing more physical work than you've ever done because there seems to be no end in sight. and, (laughs) And B, the same for your partner. I think that's really important too. But sometimes when you're not on the planet that kind of can slip your mind
0: yeah yeah definitely like what are some of the things that you think you would want to try more in your sexual experiences
1: it probably took me to my mid-20s to to realize that like i'm pretty open to anything people always say try anything once but i am actually try anything twice to see if you actually really like it or not and I definitely think there's things I've never really experienced much with like threesomes or group sex or anything like that. And I definitely think that would be something that I'd be interested to try. Yeah. I've had a couple of close encounters, but nothing notable for the most part. I would say I've experimented a lot of avenues <laughs> and there's definitely things that after a few times like, was like, actually, no, I'm not, I'm like, it's cool, but I'm not that into it. And there there's been these other times and it's been like, holy shit, why didn't I do that? Like, you know, and try more of that
0: anything that you're yeah. okay to share around this something that you were quite um, surprised by really enjoying
1: definitely a little bit of like bdsm stuff mm. tying a partner up and, and that kind of thing or and sensory deprivation as well mm. like blindfolded or you know even headphones <laughs> yeah things like that i'd never really thought about it and what, when i first really got into it the partner was it was a lot of it was her suggestion and she was actually quite new to it as well she just wanted to try it and so and i was like i know there was definitely something kind of like quite like the whole because there's definitely an element of like domination obviously and that was kind of a a new thing because normally for me sex has been quite cooperative like you know it's all about mutual satisfaction so that was but yeah i definitely enjoyed that side of things yeah there's definitely yeah most things like it's probably pretty vanilla stuff but i never thought i would enjoy Choking or being choked.
0: Isn't it funny <laughs> you know? how that's vanilla yeah. now?
1: What <laughs> the yeah, fuck yeah. did
0: that become vanilla?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And stuff like that. And there's stuff like role-playing as well. I think mm-hmm. that's kind of something I've done a little bit of, but not heaps and would like to experiment more. <laughs> yeah,
0: that's, that's awesome. I think it's about being curious. I like your whole try things twice because the first time can be like that awkward stage of just figuring it out and if yep. you just go off that experience, you actually don't really know what it's like. Yeah, Unless right. you really hated it. I'll be completely honest. Anal was that for me. I the first time, it was quite... Young. And I I actually think the first time it was awesome because I was drunk. Everything's great when you're drunk. <laughs> and, and then the first time sober was like, fuck no, this is the worst thing. What the hell? And, and yep. a lot of these things where you're getting curious, you have to be in with somebody who makes you feel safe, whether or not like you're just casual sex partners, whatever, it doesn't matter. They just have to make you feel safe. And if you were like, nah, cool, stop. You'd feel okay with doing so, like owning your experience. But if you only stop because of the first sober time, (laughs) yeah, yeah, you potentially wouldn't have the opportunities to unlock it. And that's not saying everybody needs to try it again. If that is traumatic, definitely not. But there is something about being curious.
1: Mm. It's actually kind of a, so like a common i've had been with quite a few women who are scratches yeah and i'm not a fan at all I, yeah. like i can see the appeal but it just doesn't do anything for me and like, i've actually had to like it's a couple of times it's actually got to the point where i'm like i'm actually not enjoying this anymore can you stop and they're like oh oh, oh. <laughs> like taking it back so that's been pretty funny
0: but- it's so interesting because my current partner he doesn't like scratching either and that was, I, I don't think I'm a big scratcher anyway, but I think I tried it once. And mm. for him, anything to do with pain, because yeah. he's been through so much pain physically and sports and shit, pain is yeah, not yeah, a turn like, on. Yeah. So yeah. I, yeah, I think that's a really good thing to highlight is some shit, like you said, might feel good with other relationships, might work. But you actually need to check in with this person. If it's a relatively new relationship, it's, the difficult part is then letting them know without them taking it personally. Yep. Like I've got to say, giving blowjobs to people with foreskins and not foreskins, that's a very different freaking ball game. And so when people don't let you know that things are different, you just you mm. can approach everything thinking it's the same.
1: Yeah. 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 No, so I 100% like, agree.
0: <laughs> yeah. The scratching thing. Interesting. So everybody, if you're a scratcher, like <laughs> that person might not <laughs> like it. I love it. Yeah.
1: Maybe, maybe not. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Nobody likes a Wolverine down their back. It's fine.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's right.
0: <laughs> Do you think there are things guys would like to say to their partner, but they don't think that their partner will understand, or they think it's too difficult to bring up?
1: Yeah, I was thinking about this. Yeah, uh, uh, I uh, I don't know if the things that I would talk about with my guy friends that might be in relationships or whatever there's definitely a line it's their business yeah that's a really tricky question because I think there's always things that you probably aren't as comfortable talking about with your partner as you are with your friends and vice versa I guess it's just about trying to yeah broach it in a way that can have a positive result I don't know that sounds a bit bit sort of manager speaking (laughs) You, you know like trying to sort out conflict between two staff or something it's kind of I don't think there are specific things that come to mind that guys talk about that, for me personally, most of the stuff I would talk about with my guy friends, I'm usually pretty comfortable talking about with my partner as well. Yeah. But I, I know that there are, for sure, like some of my guy friends who don't know how to broach certain things with, especially new partners. And my, my advice usually is just like, do talk to them, bring it up, even if it's, as difficult as it is, that's, that's the only way really mm. is to talk about it. When I was reading the questions like, Jesus, this is going to stump me. I don't know how I'm going to answer this one. but
0: I think that's an answer though. There's not one rule. It's up to the person as to what they account comfortable talking to their friends versus their partner around. Mm. And some people have issues talking to partners about things because we're scared of being rejected or we're scared of showing up fully as ourselves. And sometimes with friendships, we feel safer in that environment.
1: Yeah, and I I think there's always like a – especially between guys, I think there's always a little bit of – like if you're friends with the partner as well, there's almost a bit of a hesitancy to to open up in case somehow it gets back. Not that it's really ever happened, but I think there is a fear of that subconsciously in a lot of guys.
0: (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. that's, to be honest, like the same. (laughs) Going into the myths and what we don't know, what are some of the truths and myths – Mist. Myths around Mist. libido. I know, right? The myths. The truths and myths around libido and being a guy.
1: Right. So uh, I think. There's also a pretty wide view that guys can be horny all the time or at the drop of a hat. And I think for the most part, that's mostly true. I definitely tend to agree. There's times where I'm just like, oh, fuck, I don't want this now. But it might be something just insanely stupid, but it just happens. And so you kind of I, like libido. We kind of touched on it before. No one ever really talks about it. I've only really started talking about it recently, just as I've talked to you about earlier this year, I got diagnosed with depression. And the medication I'm on just killed my libido completely. And this is coming from someone who probably used to, I would masturbate six to seven times a week. So none at all, or maybe once a week if I was lucky. Because I just didn't have any desire to. I had no drive to. And it was really weird. I I would look up porn and I couldn't even make anything happen. It was, honestly, it was as hard as it was, that was almost kind of depressing in itself, but I knew it was because of the medication and, and I had to allow it to take effect. It had some pretty nasty side effects. I was with a partner that I'd slept with multiple times and then in the middle of sex, I just I lost it. It was like a switch. I went soft and then I was not into it at all. It was so weird. And I like in that moment, I just felt extremely bad because she was clearly enjoying herself and at that time I don't think I'd actually told her what was going on mm. so it was kind of like i guess we have to talk about this now this is why and blah 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 and i felt really bad and she was re- really good about it and like reassuring and and that kind of thing but it, there was a complete new experience i've been on the medication coming up 6 months now and it's only sort of been recently in the last month or so that i've kind of started feeling a bit more normal in terms of the libido department. So yeah, I mean, we all know there's like a massive stigma around men's mental health and, and and that kind of thing. And I have only really talked about my struggles recently. I think it's really important to talk about things like that as well. Cause I actually mentioned it to my GP cause he asked me if there's any side effects. And I was like, I was getting really tired, but I couldn't sleep and that kind of thing. And I sort of said, I've got a massive loss of libido And he's like, "Well, we can change you to a different medication. However, we find the best results uh, when people stay on the same medication for, you know, six to twelve months." And I was like, "That's fine. Like, I I can deal with it." At the time, I wasn't really having much sex, so (laughs) it wasn't really an issue. But it's also something now that I almost took it for granted that I could get aroused at any point. Yeah, you know. And I, but for a while there, I couldn't do it because quite often when, like, go to bed at the end of a long day, knock one out, and then. It can be a very therapeutic, you know, exercising to not even be able to do that. Like, And then your brain starts going like, oh shit, why can't I do this? It was quite a dark space for a little bit and it was something I never really talked apart from my GP and a couple of close friends. I didn't really talk about it because I wasn't really sure like how long it was going to last. And it, it kind of changed things a little bit because I think like if I was, you know, I don't know, out for dinner with some single friends or if I was out in a bar, your whole mindset changes or if you're meeting up with your partner later that night, or whatever, you're like, "What if it? What if I can't? What if I can't? What if I can't get it up? Or what if I just have no desire to?" It just causes all sorts of weird, yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's all sorts of things you're trying to compartmentalize, and you're just like, "Oh man, I can't deal with this. I'm just going to go home." <laughs> and it's something that... because I've got a lot of friends who advocate and, and talk about men's mental health and things. But there's one thing I've never heard them talk about ever, and people who work in the mental health. But then quite often, like there was quite a few people I, I'm talking to who have been on same medication and they're like, oh yeah, that's happened. And I was like, oh, okay, so it's normal. But why is no one ever sort of publicly mentioned <laughs> publicly mentioned that? I don't know. Maybe there's a stigma around it, but yeah, there's a bit of a tangent, but it kind of all relates back to the libido the libido thing.
0: It absolutely um, does. And it's really interesting to me because maybe it's just because I'm more involved in sex groups, well, <laughs> not, not groups having sex, but people are talking about sex. And commonly, when people are talking about libido issues, they'll be like, Hey, is your partner on antidepressants or are you on antidepressants? This is a common side effect of them. Mm -hmm. When you go into this, if you haven't heard of that, you'd think, Is this just me? Is it something else that's happening? Is it this? And I just have to deal with this forever. That's a really scary thing when you haven't experienced erectile dysfunction before. Many people Mm -hmm. experience it without the medication, but for you, it hadn't been a thing for you. And then to, to change drastically, when you're already going through depression, that's an extra layer of things changing.
1: I still remember I'd been on the medication in a couple of weeks, and the first time I'd had sex since being on the medication, like managed to have sex, but I couldn't finish. Mm. I feel like I'm pretty control; I can make myself finish when I when I want to, you know. And yeah. I couldn't do it, and I was just like, "This is this is weird." And my partner at the time, she was just like, "Oh, that's pretty common. Don't." Don't stress about it. She was really good about it. Yeah, I, it was still kind of weird for me because we sort of stopped and then tried a few other things. And she was just like, you know, the harder you try, the more it's not going to happen. So I was like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, and it, but it was kind of almost like, ah, oh, what? There's nothing like that. Release is like one of the the highs of life. So it's yeah. kind of like, you know. <laughs> so, I don't know. It was. It almost became like searching for a for a unicorn. Um, you know, for a little bit. And hey, there's one way I can relate it back to the dating apps, you know, sometimes you're searching (laughs) for a unicorn. And then it was after that, that I had no desire to to masturbate or or anything like that. So luckily, sort of six months down the track, it's kind of normalizing a little bit.
0: um, If your body was kind of betraying you, in some ways, like you were disconnected more from your body because there was something you wanted from it that it just couldn't provide.
1: Yeah, well, a couple of encounters later with my partner at the time, she just, I did finish and we were just we were just like, yes, high-fiving and like, like, yes, we got there. And she was just as stoked as I was. I almost wanted to run a victory lap, but...
0: You don't yeah, take it for granted
1: now anymore. I definitely don't. But I also like learning if I'm watching porn or something and it's not happening, I now know to be like, okay, well, it's not happening, so I can safely stop and not try. I mean, mostly it's been a non hard road, but, uh, but yeah, it's been definitely been a learning experience for sure. And just coming to grips with that kind of thing.
0: And did it make you come to grips a little bit more around the whole I guess libido conversation because it hadn't been something you'd had to really think about before when you were experiencing it. You're like, Oh shit. I had always had this expectation that it is something that I should be able to do. Cause it is a societal expectation as well. Like you said that guys drop of a hat. They should. Mm. Cause I know as a woman, like if somebody hasn't gotten hard or if a guy can't get hard, it's actually because I'm not attractive enough. So yeah. There's this, <laughs> yeah. And, and so there's this odd space because one, if you're in a heterosexual relationship and as a woman you're turning up and they're not getting hard and you're putting that pressure on yourself, but you're putting that pressure on them, that actually makes it worse. But also, as a guy, it's a really difficult situation to go through because you're often nobody talks about it and you're like, Am I a real man because I can't get hard or some bullshit? Yeah,
1: well, well I was like, I'd almost trick myself into thinking. I was invincible in that kind of area because I'm sure you've heard anyone who's taken MDMA. There's a common thing apparently called MDMA dick, where you can't you can't get it up when you're uh-huh. on MDMA. But I've never had that issue. I've had guys talk about it, yeah. and like they're like, "Yeah, no, I just couldn't do it." And I'm like, "Man, it's like the best. Like it's, <laughs> it's yes, yeah, it's the best. It's like not even an issue." For me. And they're like, "What?" Like, and so I kind of felt like, "Well, if I could do it, then I could do it anytime." And like. <laughs> I'm invincible with this and this is never going to be an issue. And then, yeah, of course, little did I know that yeah, it would it would become an issue.
0: Antidepressants were like your kryptonite.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's the last
0: thing to take you down. Then you're like, fine, yeah. I found it. That this meant- was
1: all I had. No, <laughs> <laughs> right?
0: Shit. It's so interesting. And it's something that really frustrates me. I think people not talking about libido more because everybody – I mean, some people are more consistent through their life and that's awesome. Other things, like you said, if you go on medication or like if you're on drugs, if you've got stresses in your life, that shit's going to affect many people. And I think we all we put more stress on ourselves by thinking about it or worrying about it and then it just gets worse. Like your partner said, Yeah. If you keep pushing yourself, you're just going to make it worse.
1: I think also as well, like the whole societal thing of like guys being able to
0: Mm-hmm. yeah, drop of a
1: hat, as we've touched on, like, when you meet a woman who is like that, a previous partner of mine, she was, like, worse, for like, worse, better, I don't know, than any guy I know. Like, she yeah. was insane. Like, the highest libido I've ever experienced in my life. So much to the point that I couldn't keep up with it. Yeah. But, like, when you meet someone like that, you're just like, holy shit, okay, it's not just guys. But, like, But in my experience, like I haven't actually come across too many women like that. But there are they are out there, and I think it's important that we talk about that as well because I think absolutely, yeah,
0: (laughs) I've had a higher libido than most of my sexual partners, and it's actually caused some—I wouldn't say issues—but if I'm in a heterosexual relationship, I think like yeah, the guys sometimes feel. Not threatened, like they they know rationally they shouldn't feel threatened, but in some ways they can. Like, why is my partner wanting more sex than me? I should be the one wanting more sex. Like, yeah. almost without even, I think, consciously doing it, I've had people over-sexualize me or almost think of me as a slut in their mind without thinking they're doing that. And so they put you in a box. Right. And I think it is really important to talk about libido is different for each person. It's an individual thing, not a gender based thing.
1: Yeah.
0: I mean, if any guy was part of the women's conversation groups I'm part of, they would realize we are nasty and we're insatiable, and many of us are sexually rampant, as much yeah. as men, if not more, in some cases. And and I think you're right. I think it's really healthy for all genders to realize that. There's nothing wrong with you if you have a lower sexual libido and there's nothing wrong if you're higher. And also that could fluctuate yeah. through your life.
1: No, totally. And, you know, I think just from my personal experience, this particular partner, she was absolutely, yeah. it was like, I actually got to the point where I, I got, I was sore, <laughs> you know, yeah, over years. I haven't had that much like experience in there. And I was just like, fuck, how, like. <laughs> You but then you start going down that path. You're like, I should be the one wanting wanting more. Like, or yeah. you know, yeah, it can be dangerous, but uh, you know, it's fun.
0: It's a, such an odd space. That's what I love about getting older. Because typically, you get more sexual partners, or if you're in one relationship, you become more open and more curious. So you. Kind of rinse those myths off you. You're like, why the fuck did I think that shit in the first place? Each person you've been with is usually quite different and it's going... I think I just resonate so much with what you've said all the time. It's just that each partner wants something different sexually or like gets off on something different. Taking it back to those younger years, if there are some things that you wish you could tell boys who are becoming sexually curious or active, what would they be?
1: Oh, these are some... I'm trying to think what I, I would tell myself. We sort of touched on porn a little bit, but like...
0: Oh yeah, I do actually want to ask you what your thoughts on porn are. <laughs> so
1: well, we maybe we can, drop we can that do in that. Here. <laughs>
0: good.
1: We can do that. We can do that. You and I have had previous conversations about like ethical consumption of porn and, mm. and, that, and that kind of thing. But I still think porn is actually a really important tool because there's things that I've discovered turn me on because of porn that I never would have thought otherwise. It also provides a really good avenue to experiment with yourself with stuff that you might not in real life or like in or things that you might i mean i'm I'm pretty open about this and it probably won't come as a surprise to to many but there's i've tried masturbating to to gay porn to see if it gets me off yeah while that was almost like a a step in confirming my straightness (laughs) i'm really glad that i did that because I've always been curious about what would it be like or and that gave me an avenue to, to to test it. So I think porn can be a really important tool if it's used well. And if I was to tell a kid or well, tell teenage boys about porn, I'd be like, don't just search for big tits or don't just search for MILF. Find something that's like a bit more natural or, or real and just see what you think of it because you know, of course there's porn and, and I still watch porn. That it's just like so unrealistic, but it's still kind of funny. But it serves a purpose. But other times I'll be in the mood and i will just like, yeah, this is sick. Like this, this is this is my jam, you know. Yeah. I sort of found porn in the age of the internet, right? I think my parents were quite naive. The fact that we had the internet and stuff, I was like, yeah, I can print off a picture of a naked lady and hide it under my bed, you know. <laughs> you yeah. know, and this is the early 2000s and they never once looked in the history or, or on the browser or anything, they had no idea. And I really hope my parents aren't going to listen to this because like, <laughs> oh, what? This is <laughs> disgusting boy.
0: Sexually exploring. It's very important.
1: Yeah, yeah. But I've actually really got into, and admittedly it was because of porn that I, I like, but I've actually been following Mia Khalifa quite a bit and sort of her journey about sort of denouncing the porn industry it's so interesting man i watched a two-hour interview or her on a podcast all the porn that she shot was pretty much three months when she was 21 and that that was it she got paid pretty much nothing to do it blah, 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 but then all those clips have been exploited by sites for money and all this stuff at the time. kind of knew that that was probably the case, but you never really know until you hear someone actually talking about it. Her whole journey has been phenomenal to me, watching someone who was in the industry and then got out of it and has now forged to completely own career and everything and is also trying to denounce and trying to make adult stars. It's just insane. You never realize how big... That industry is and, and what's going on. It's probably like a lot of other industries, is like exploitation, underpay, and, and, and all this kind of stuff. So to hear her talk about that and another there's another Bonnie Rotten. I'm not sure if you know, but she was the same, got out of it. Then she got offered a stupid amount of money to go back and do some stuff a few years later. She did it, but she like regretted it. And we could almost talk for two hours, probably just about, <laughs> about that. Like yeah. it's it's insane. So I would just encourage like I'm trying to tie it all back into like what advice I would give younger. I I could
0: completely talk about the porn stuff so much more because (laughs) it's like our own hidden shame around porn causes the porn industry to be so shit because we're not holding it accountable to be better for the people who are freaking filming porn.
1: Yeah, that's right. And I can't remember what it's called. There's a BBC documentary I watched about these four young porn stars who are just living together trying to make it in the porn industry yeah. and it was really depressing it was hard to watch but a couple of them just seemed to really enjoy every experience even if it was sharing a bed together just because there was no spare bed that night or whatever I mean it was it was, it was in America to be fair so I mean and then
0: there's sex trafficking <laughs> I know the rates of sex trafficking are rampant I'm so much a proponent of ethical porn and have to push myself to engage in it more and pay for it because we should be fucking paying for the stuff we're consuming, but because it's free, yeah. we enable a community which can be quite unsafe for the people engaging in it, and which then push unsafe practices. If you're getting people hooked on drugs and trafficking them around for free,
1: yeah, well, it's so. a, a, actually you bring up a really good point, and I've actually read this in an article industry about how similar the music industry and the porn industry are. Mm. Like, because like same with the music industry, it's it's the same. Like the artists aren't getting paid properly, and there's just lots of underlying things and I was reading this article and I was just like holy shit they're the same it's yeah. kind of insane and we're just quickly on the sex trafficking thing because yeah it wasn't really until sort of I talked to you about it that I sort of realized the extent of it but uh, I don't know if you've ever seen the TV show The Wire I've never
0: uh, actually seen it no
1: so I watched it over lockdown and in and, and season 2 the whole storyline is about the docks of Baltimore and the ship comes in and they find a whole bunch of dead women in one of the shipping containers that yep. have been smuggled over from europe to run rampant in america to try and live a better life or, or whatever it is or for insane amounts of money But they all are found dead in the containers of the hole and it was not long i think it was around the time maybe you and i would had talked about it and then that i watched it and i was like jesus christ we went down a rabbit hole like read about it online i was just like oh my god okay this is a real thing and i think and this is sort of digressing a little bit. Part of my reluctance to accept that is because of the whole QAnon conspiracy and just how ridiculous it is. And I was just like kind of writing that kind of stuff off and then I was like, okay, this is actually separate to that. This is, this actually, is actually real shit. <laughs> this is actually yeah. a separate issue. it's so, yeah, fully I mean, proven
0: scientific yeah, study. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been happening for ages. Yeah. Like Working in the refugee space was the worst. Actually, sporting it's events, done. that was crazy to me the sporting events in the West are the most prolific for sex trafficking of victims, like all genders, obviously it highly outweighs in, for women being sex trafficked, but all genders and all ages are sex trafficked, obviously. The Triple yeah. Crown is one of the spaces where people are most sex trafficked and I was just like, fuck. Whoa. Yeah, it's just bizarre it's, and it's under our noses and we just don't even think about it.
1: Yeah, that's, yeah, man we could mm. yeah we could probably delve into
0: this. <laughs> yeah <laughs> another another podcast episode about porn and external environment around it and i well, love I that think, comparison to music industry
1: yeah my final thing to to tell teenage boys is that's hard because teenage boys just don't listen but <laughs> don't be afraid to talk about it with your friends don't be afraid to look up porn and figure out what you'd like or if it helps confirm your sexuality that's only a good thing it'll help you feel more confident in yourself and and i know it seems kind of weird to sort of have a moral speech on porn but use it in an educative way use it in a as a tool to figure out what you like and it's, it's okay
0: if you don't like shit you just mentioned before and you said oh i didn't think i'd ever like choking or choking somebody i think porn like research indicates that porn has gotten more violent over the years as more and more people partake in it because you get sensory numbness about things you can yeah, just yeah, touch, yeah. and you right. more and more. And so, and if you don't like that, and people are around you are talking about choking people out or all that shit, and it's not for you, I think that's also really key for young people to realize: is that you don't have to try shit, you don't have to like shit. Do it yeah. when you're if later if you're comfortable.
1: But as I said before, try anything twice. There's this yeah. that's my key.
0: Do you also <laughs> think? What do you think about the difference between? fantasy and reality when you're watching porn and there's avenues you're going down that you're like oh what because you know when you're horny as fuck and you're watching something and then you're like why does this get me going and then it'll yeah. come and then you're like oh my god i'm filthy <laughs> it's like going from being drunk to sober it's just, it's hilarious but what are your ideas around that difference
1: i i think it's just kind of like there's a specific example i guess like the fake taxi you know about fake taxi? You know what this is? No, it's like no. It's a series. It's like a porn channel. Uh, okay, and you can pay for it and stuff, but it's a fake taxi. A guy drives around in a taxi, and then oh, he picks yes. up.
0: Okay, yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> he picks up woman, and it's supposed to be like, where are you going? Blah blah blah, and then they having sex. Blah blah. It's obviously all staged, and and but it's, the whole the whole fantasy thing, like, oh, that could actually happen. It's kind of kind of like you almost don't feel as dirty watching it because you're like this could happen i think it's the taboos right so obviously a massive category on Pornhub hub and, and red tube and stuff is step, or like step mums and you know like yeah it's
0: called focist
1: focist is it yeah all oh, right
0: it's like fake yeah, like yeah, incestuality yeah yeah. yeah 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 right
1: focist okay and it's, it's just so ridiculous because you know it's not real, but the idea of it. What a
0: shame around that. I would say when I've got on porn and I've gone down rabbit holes, I remember feeling so much shame about some of the things I watched. What does this mean about me as a person? And then particularly when I think of myself as a relatively strong, independent woman, and then like I'll be watching people get dominated in that shit. Yeah. But then you get to a space that you're like, it's okay to want things in a fantasy and I mean, some things you might dabble in in your reality as well, but there might be some things that are just not, you do not want in your reality. Like you will never feel safe enough or you'll never, yeah. or like you can be a different person in your head.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's right. To tie back to kind of with porn, but also they're obviously partners who are into fantasy stuff. And there's some experiences where even if it was porn, I don't know if I could handle this or I'm not overly sure how I feel about it. I don't know. It's not to um, quote that terrible song, but it's kind of some blurred lines, you know? Like, <laughs>
0: And there are some moral lines that you might have, right? Where you're just like, nah, it yeah. doesn't do it for me. And I remember with my partner now, when we were sharing about things turn us on in porn or that if we masturbate, we might think about or just like fantasize. For me, one thing has been sometimes my partner watching me have sex with somebody else, but yeah. not in a cuckolding way. So some people, so it's not in a shaming the per- my partner. It's more them watching on in a kind of the other dog situation. Like, oh, they're the yeah, Dom, okay. and they're almost, they're almost the conductor of that situation. And so, getting off, that can be something I'm fantasizing, but I'm not sure if I want it in reality. Like, I maybe one day explore, but I actually don't feel like I'm missing out on things. It can be just in my head. For him, it was this is just something that wouldn't get me going. And so, right. it's important to know your lines.
1: I think, like just on kind of similar, I wanted to know what it like looked like from the outside. So, Years and years ago, we filmed ourselves, and then we'd watch it back just to see what it was like. It was kind of, yeah. and you're like, kind of, oh, oh uh, ah, like <laughs> it's kind of, kind of this bizarre experience. But I've also been in, in situations, and I've talked to you specifically about this, and and it's always made me feel a little weird. But as as woman wanting like a rape fantasy, mm. and I've found that really hard to to like to the point where I've just been like, nah, like yeah. I think you might have said it's like it's like a consensual rape kind of yeah. thing because you know you'll trust you're trusting so, but for, at the time when the partner was suggesting I like I could not wrap my head around it. I was like, what on earth like possibly is now I kind of understand now that I yeah. know a bit more you know about sexuality and that kind of thing, and I kind of understand it maybe a little bit of the psychology. Mm. behind it but at the time i was just like what like <laughs> i yeah. i i can't do this but that's another thing where fantasy vest reality that can be very blurred and once again it probably just comes down to communication and and if it's in actually in the bedroom with porn it's you know yeah. i think what well, yeah porn's a bit different i think because it, you like most of the time you, you're watching it you, <laughs> I think subconsciously, you know, that it's act- it's act- the actors yes, or the yes. actresses, you know, the, there's no.
0: But when you watch something enough, this is where I get concerned. When you watch something enough, although you can rationally know something, your subconscious is actually reprogrammed to kind of think of that as reality. And when you're young, particularly, and you don't have enough to differentiate, I'm all about like, let's say rape fantasies. If you just constantly watched rape fantasy stuff on porn, you might not realize that you need to go through quite a rigorous communication process before. It's like people starting trying BDSM. If you don't have trust with your sexual partner, if you don't have full-on communication, don't even fucking start in BDSM.
1: Nah, nah.
0: And I just think so many people are trying this stuff out without realizing that people who experiment a lot sexually have the best communication patterns and they know their boundaries and they have... More confident within those boundaries, then if, yeah. you know you can't just like turn up and be like choke me out. What does that look like? Because it's unsafe for the person you're with as well.
1: Mm. Yep, and definitely there's been experiences. I'm sure you've had them as well, where they've like caught you off guard. Yeah, the first maybe first time sleeping with someone, and they're just like trying to guide your hands to their neck, and you're like, oh shit, okay, like, this is what's <laughs> happening. You're like, should we talk about this or? <laughs>
0: why are so many people bad at talking about sex? People are way more willing to get into a relatively compromising situation physically than actually just open up verbally beforehand and be like, let's just chat about this. What type of space do we want to create? What are we feeling today? Yeah. What do you want to explore? If you're not liking something, do you want like a, a certain touch that you, you know, want to like tap me on the shoulder or something's not working? Yeah. Are we so fucking scared of communication?
1: Yeah, it's, well, it's, communication and, and just learning because you're always going to learn and before we recorded this episode i sort of listened to your last couple just to start, kind of get a vibe of because mm. i'd listened to a few on your first season and i learned so much in an hour because <laughs> I, I had no idea what a relationship anarchist was like and i was googling stuff on as, as you're talking about it, i was like oh whoa like just a whole nother world so yeah. i think it, the communication and like always willing to learn and and, and new things and
0: We've only got our own sexual experiences, so if we don't talk about other people's, we can't live vicariously through them, which sucks. (laughs) Like, some things people do, I'm never going to want to try. Yeah. That's cool. Thanks for experimenting for me. (laughs) Some things I do, people won't ever want to give a go.
1: I I, I totally understand, but I'm also kind of like, oh, I'll try it twice. and You're going to have fun editing this one.
0: I know, but it's actually so good. I'm so glad you came on because you are the first cis man to come on. Because yeah, it's awesome to have your perspective because I think people are getting better about talking about stuff, but I also think women talk about it a little bit more than men.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. And, and I think it's just, just for my own journey, it's kind of been really cool talking about this kind of stuff because it's not something that, one, that I talk about in a setting like this. And I mean, you and I know each other pretty well. Like mm. we've We've talked about a lot of this stuff before, but I think to do it in a... A public platform. It's a cool step for me as well, being able to open up and talk about that kind of stuff. And you know, if I, to me, it's just like if one if one dude hears this and takes something out of it, it's like, ah, oh, sweet, that's good. Yeah,
0: and I really appreciate it. Guys are going to resonate with what you're saying, but they're also going to be a woman because I think women, we go through what society tells us about guys, and particularly around sex. And actually, we need to break down that shit. Most of it's bullshit.
1: Yeah. Well. Yeah. Agreed. I've actually got a, a little hypothetical for you. Okay. And maybe maybe you can use this in the future as well, but yeah. from from a sex and sexuality standpoint, if you were a guy for one day mm. what what do you think the things you would want to do would be like what are the what are the things you man wonder what that is like from a guy? what yeah. are the things that you you want to or that like, you would want is,
0: to do I would want to walk down the street in the dark <laughs> I would want to just walk into an office or just walk into a workspace and know what it's like to turn up like and get up in the morning and wear the same shit go to work because i think there are so many micro things that happen throughout the day in terms of sex i want to stick my penis in something <laughs> i i've talked about this with swift friends before what does it feel like to be sheathed to be the inserty inserter not the insertee. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. it's such a different experience and yeah. I really would love to know what that's like, not to be the, you know, to be filled to actually just, yeah, have this external thing. I'd masturbate the whole day.
1: Experimented with, <laughs> you've never experimented with strap-ons then?
0: I've actually never experimented with strap-ons. That's something that I would like to do, but I guess doing it in a space where somebody else wants to do it too. and certainly. Yeah, but even then... It's a different experience because I don't know if oh, you've yeah, listened sure. to Ibs episode. She uses strap-ons with her partner Yeah, and she's just like, it's not my appendage. I don't know what it feels. I don't know what it's doing. <laughs> it's just hanging around inside there. What's it up to? So the full encompassing, because guys look like they're having the best time. And I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm having the best time. But there's something about a guy's face when they're inside you that you're like, what is that experience? like?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to know. Yeah. Just actually, just quick side note. Like, I've always we we quite early on the podcast we talked about six toys, and yes. I don't know why, but like the whole idea of fleshlights and fake oh, yes. vaginas and things, yes. they just it just weirds me out, eh? And I was maybe it's ask the same about flesh. Maybe it's the same thing. It's not real. And so maybe it's like the opposite of like looking at a woman's face while you're inside it is like so a really her. cool thing. I,
0: I I also think it's so funny talking about sex faces because I think you like to think you look a certain way. It's always those memes, like the, the way you think your orgasm face looks versus what <laughs> yeah. it actually looks like. Yeah. <laughs> when you lose control during sex, or when you're having a great time, your face is probably like fuck you do not look sexy that's what I love about real sex versus porn there's shit going on in real sex that's just kind of weird if you looked at it if you weren't horny like if well
1: to think of like some of my every awesome sexual experience I think I've ever had there's been laughter at some point yeah whether it be before during or after like, I don't know why it's just kind of
0: you try a new position and you're like yeah you're just, what the fuck this yeah, doesn't yeah. work <laughs>
1: you like, or afterwards, you just lie there and you just like start cracking up because you're like, yeah. that was hilarious. when I think about that, it's not something people probably would tend to associate like with sex as well as laughter. Yeah. But I think well, that would I'm, be the
0: number one thing I would say to a young person next to, to get curious, is get keen to just like have a good laugh.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's a really, that's a really good piece of advice. Let's just but, pretend I said that.
0: And, um, <laughs> you said that. I mean, you led me to yeah. that, right? So that was, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was wonderful. <laughs> Just quickly, I want to know what are your top things you'd do if you were somebody with a vagina for a day?
1: Definitely figure out exactly where the clit is. Um, <laughs> no. I've actually talked about this with male friends as well, especially my female friends, but like females in general have such a tough time understanding what guys' fascination with breasts are. Right?
0: Oh,
1: yeah. yeah. And st- honestly, it's n- there's no deep reason, I don't think. I think it's just the fact that we don't have them. Like that's literally it. That's all it comes down to. And so I think I would probably, if we're talking sex, sexually, I'd probably just play with my boobs for a couple of hours, you know, just to really understand and just really soak it in. But yeah, I've always wondered real, like a penis versus a sex toy. I've always wondered yeah. the differences. I think that's kind of something I'd want to try if I was a woman. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's, I'm not going to lie. It's a completely different experience. I don't know if you've heard of the SP2. No. Oh man, you need to get on this trade. Like, if you get to have all your life, she's most likely you're going to have an SP2, which is a Pro2, which is basically oh, like. Oh, okay, this. yeah, yeah. I've oh heard no, yeah, okay.
1: Heard of it. <laughs> yeah,
0: that's it's pretty notorious.
1: SP2, that's the uh the abbreviation. Sorry.
0: <laughs> sorry, it's <a> shortened version. <laughs> it's for us old hands, and I know that's why some people can be threatened by sex toys is because they think they're being replaced it's just a very different experience even yep. with the dildo it's just it's just a different experience there's nothing that can replace real genitals there's just nothing like a real penis or whatever is going to feel very different but also you just can't suck and vibrate at the same time like there's nothing <laughs> wrong with you you can't do it and i also think one of the biggest differences and you heard it before actually i wanted to re- mention it quickly was oh the rape fantasy one thing why people like BDSM and they like rape fantasies, you'll often find them really high functioning or like classically successful people, yeah. um, so multiple people who like it, but many people who are successful like it because it's full surrender. And with mm. sex toys, you can fully surrender. So one thing that many women have issues with is feeling safe enough to fully let go in a sexual environment. And particularly yeah. like we were talking about this in one of our recent conversations, it can take about 30 minutes for a woman to get to arousal stage. And yeah, yeah most people don't actually spend the time to get there. So you never feel safe enough to like fully let go. Yeah. But yeah, there's, there's something about sex toys or there's something about like certain fantasies, which allow you to get to that level of surrendering.
1: My, an ex of mine, she put it, she put it really nicely. One time she said, it's like getting to a plateau, but not Mm. being able to jump off. And I was like, Oh, okay. I kind of, I can understand that now. Like,
0: (laughs) Even if you know, if you let go, you would end up in the best space. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good yeah. way of putting it. I completely resonate, and I know some guys have that too, right? Like the letting go stage in sex. I've had people who get in their heads a lot. So definitely not just for women, but yeah. I wish you could experience what it was like to have a clitoris.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely, yeah, I would like to know. <laughs>
0: really Missing out on that. I mean, it's the only thing built just for pleasure. <laughs> we
1: stupid amount of nerve endings, eh? Like right.
0: stupid about like when this tiny well actually it's a big contraption yeah. yeah but we never learned that I didn't even learn that in science how big the clitoris is we learned it was yeah. this little nub externally whereas mm. some people have giant clitorises and some people have like everybody has got internal freaking limbs and shit <laughs> <laughs> fucking crazy sex uh, is crazy bodies are crazy
1: it's it's, it's, it's all hilarious though it's, just,
0: laugh. just laugh just
1: laugh just laugh just laugh.
0: laugh. <laughs> when you queef, just laugh. It's it When you funny. queef,
1: yeah. Yeah, farting during sex.
0: Oh my God, the amount of stories where people fart are the most funniest times. I've actually oh. never farted during sex. And I feel like I'm missing out on something.
1: I feel like you're lying. No.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe I just thought it wasn't a fart or something or like, i never yeah, yeah. noticed. I probably have, but I just can't remember. It was so traumatizing. Yeah. Okay, is there anything else that you want to chuck in there or wrap up?
1: Or say before um, we sign off. Yeah, I, I can't believe it's been two and a half hours. That's, <laughs> we've talked about a lot of things. We
0: have.
1: Is yeah, that the most no,
0: dedicated I, sex conversation, like relationship conversation, you've ever had?
1: Yeah. Well, I, I think like when you asked me to be on this, I, you know, I was expecting a lot of sex and sexuality stuff, yeah. but it was kind of cool to delve into the relationship side of. Of things as well, I think, because quite often they go hand in hand. So yeah. it's, yeah, I think it's really cool. I actually, the woman I'm meeting tomorrow off uh, Hinge, I actually told her that I was coming on a podcast to talk about sexuality. So she's like, I look forward to listening to it. I was like, I'm never <laughs> linking it to you. like
0: <laughs> All I've got to say is you should. You've yeah. come off great in this. You should actually <laughs> link this in any of your dating profiles. Hey, that's yeah. a
1: good idea, actually. I think you I might, should. I might use that.
0: That would be amazing. I if any guy did this on a dating app, he would fully be in my top view. And also Because you can do
1: you can have like your Spotify on there, but I wonder if I could I could just put the link to the episode.
0: Yeah, you could just put the link. Also I can fully like attest anybody who's listening to this who ends up dating Nick. He's an <laughs> awesome guy. And kudos Thanks to solution. you. You're very lucky. <laughs> <laughs>
1: i hope you're all listening i hope
0: they're all listening all the multitudes of them oh well thank you so much i freaking love
1: no thank you for having me on it's been awesome
0: hope you all enjoyed the two-part episode with nick please let me know your thoughts and rate subscribe and review if you can i'd be super appreciative And I'd love to just know your feedback and if there's anything else you'd want to hear on the podcast or anybody you'd want to hear from. So let me know at let'sgetsexual.podcast on Instagram. I will link that in the show notes. Have a wonderful day or night wherever you are in the world. Ciao.